We're crunching some praise songs. After we answer the listener email question about the pastor who says that Christianity is a relationship and not a religion, stay tuned for this edition of Table Talk Radio. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I'm in mega crunch. So, uh, if you guys would put mega the mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, busting the myth. It only gets better from here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Things can only improve. Wrong. <laughs> I'm kind <coughs> of, excuse me. How far down can you go from mediocre? Let's start by coughing in the microphone. Yeah, I was going to say, I, uh, I'm still recovering from a little bit of a cold, so if uh, if you could try not to make me laugh through the entire show, I would be just fine. Okay. Otherwise, I'll go into a coughing frenzy, so. Shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Did I tell you that joke about the lady that got on the bus? Did I tell you? I told you that joke, didn't I? Not to tell me it again. <laughs> this is the funniest joke in the world, by the way. Try not to set your expectations too high. Okay. Because this is hilarious. Uh, so a lady gets on a bus. That's how the joke goes. lady gets on a bus, and the bus driver says, Lady, that's the ugliest baby I've ever seen. And the lady, huffing and puffing, throws down her money, walks to the back of the bus, and sits down next to this guy who says, Are you all right? She says, No, I'm not all right. That bus driver insulted me. And the man says, I can't believe that. He shouldn't. He's a public servant. He should be kind, welcoming, gentle to you. He shouldn't insult you like that. And she says, I know. I can't believe it. And the guy says, hey, I think you should go up there and give him a piece of your mind. I'll, I'll hold your monkey for you. These these jokes are really great for my health. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. We're going to do some buzzwords, and then I'll tell you the I'll lineup of today's show. Oh, that's funny. You got a buzzword? Ah, my buzzword for you is resurrection, which I want to make a distinction between resurrection and resuscitation. The Bible gives us eight accounts of people who were who were raised from the dead, but they were raised back into their mortal bodies. Mm. Uh, three in the Old Testament, one with Elijah, two with Elisha, uh, and then five in the New Testament. Let's see. Um, Peter once, Paul once, it must be Jesus then, one, two, three, four, five, three times Jesus raised someone, uh, brought someone back from the dead. Lazarus, the widow's son, the uh, daughter, the uh, cent uh, the centurion at Capernaum, if I'm remembering right. Anyway, those are all different. They're not resurrections because those people had to die again. They were brought back to their mortal bodies. But the resurrection of Jesus is his body gaining immortality. And that's why Jesus, even though there was other people that came back from the dead, Jesus is called the first fruits of the resurrection because he is the first person to enter into this state of immortality, both with his body and his soul perfected, ready 
to live uh, forever. So that's resurrection. Body and soul perfected, rejoined, fit for uh, fit for immortality. Now, that's, by, by the way, the resurrection of the living. There is a resurrection unto condemnation that the Bible talks about. That's not, neither the soul nor the body is purged from sin and made perfect, but they're made for eternal death. So so there you go. All right. Well, you, resurrection. Know, you know how I um, study long and hard to get the best buzzwords, you know, which mm-hmm. means during the, during the opening theme music, I usually Google something to try and find a buzzword. Well, I found this website that looks like either an instructor prepared for a student's or maybe a student prepared to get ready for a test, but it's a list of kind of flashcards of theological words. And what? it has this link that says play audio for this term. So I haven't tested this, but I'm just I'm I'm gonna outsource telling you my buzzword to a website. Are you ready? All right. Systematic theology. A system of studying theology which draws from all sources of revelation in order to come to systematic conclusions about what has been revealed about the various theological disciplines. You know, I see this working out. I might not even have to be the co-host anymore. I can just let the computer lady take over, and you and and her can have a good time doing Table Talk Radio together. Well, what's the next thing she wants to tell us about? Uh, Can she crunch praise songs, that lady? Maybe. Put a a praise song over there. Isn't that what we're doing today? Praise song crunching? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what she can do. Oh, no. She can't. I don't don't see praise song on here, so sorry. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, I I will use her buzzword, though, systematic theology. And this is where you uh, will take the uh, the whole Bible to put together what it is we believe into a system, so to speak. So um, maybe maybe this would be best understood in contrast to um, like uh, exegetical theology, where you take a Bible passage and you want to know what does this Bible passage mean, what is it saying, and you might just take that passage and you know understand the original language, understand the cultural context, all of those play into to me. But when you talk about something like baptism, you wouldn't just stick to one particular passage. You would want to know what does all of the Bible say about baptism. So you might be drawing from Mark. You might be drawing from Romans. You might be drawing from uh, ideas from the Old Testament. So systematic theology takes all of God's Word and put it, puts it into an understanding of a theological topic. So that's systematic theology. Nice. All right. So our lineup for today is, well, at some point, we're doing some praise song crunching. And at some point— yes. We're doing some preaching to Hollywood, but I don't know if anything yes. is happening between now and then. Do you know the answer to that question? I thought we had a email, but my computer crashed, so you're going to have to look on the Trello. Oh, because I yeah, thought yeah, we yeah. had an email question about something. Oh, yeah. Aha. We had an email from a guy who was, who's pastor. Who's, this person is new to the Lutheran Church, and they're go, settling into a Lutheran Church, and their pastor was preaching or telling people about how Christianity is not a— religion it's a relationship and they then they said well does that mean i have to leave that church because i know better and so is that what the question was yeah i think i have it here Uh, it says coming from an evangelical background and now attending a lutheran church i appreciate the hymns and the kind of orderliness that evangelicalism does not seem to have in fact i am thinking about getting confirmed in the church as i received a trinitarian baptism anyway however during one of 
those Sundays that I attend the church, our pastor discussed with us visitors our religious backgrounds, and to my surprise, mentioned non-verbatim, that it's not religion that will get you to heaven, but your relationship with Jesus. How should I respond to the situation, and should I move to another church? Thanks in advance. All right, so we're going to do. We're going to respond to this email playing "Kick the Dog, Comfort the Child." This is where we draw off of Luther's advice that uh, when dealing with the false teacher, you would deal differently than how you would deal with the falsely taught. So, uh, to I think Pastor Wolfman, you're always chomping at the bit to kick the dog, right? So uh, you're going <laughs> to. Oh yeah. You're gonna, all, I mean, in fact, I keep a couple dogs around here, just stuffed animal dogs, just to kick around the. I the figured office. as much. Um, I, on the other hand, am in the business of comforting yes. little lambs. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tree. Now, this is a great question because, you know, we here on Table Talk Radio are sometimes critical of different theologies, and we've made a little. Um, I mean, I suppose in some ways, you and I are both out there. Uh, trying to point out some of the problems of these theological statements, and not just because they're out there, but also because they're creeping in here. Mm. They are, um, there's a kind of a theological, um, it's like a fog, you know, and the fog of the bad theology, it's not just... It it creeps in the door and the cracks in the wall and everything else, and finds its way also into the uh, into the Lutheran churches now a lot of these a lot of pastors probably should know better but you just hear some of this stuff like it's it's not a religion it's a relationship and you say oh I know what that sounds nice it's about it's not about all the stuff that you have to do it's about it's about the mercy of Jesus in fact a Lutheran pastor might hear that it's not a religion it's a relationship and say hey that's a that's basically the distinction between law and gospel it's just the evangelical way of saying it. And so they mm. absorb that uncritically without without thinking about it. Now, if that's the case, which I am going to guess that that's the case, you, sometimes you just got to let that stuff roll off uh, roll off your back. You know better, and someday the pastor will know better, and someday there might be occasion to talk to him about it. But I, I wouldn't... I mean, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I mean, it's it's probably right that it raised a red flag and that you might be able to offer to take him out for a cup of coffee and say, hey, I heard you say that, and I've been reading these books about how that's not helpful, and you get how the guy reacts. But I wouldn't, you know, I, I, the, these cliches that we are critiquing here um, are often not critiqued. That's a problem in and of itself, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't go I wouldn't go berserk on the guy. Uh, yeah, you could say, hey, let's go out for coffee. I've been listening to this uh, podcast and uh, they say something different. I'm sure the pastor will be like, oh, that's such a great podcast. Keep listening to that. Um, I think the best response is simply to ask, and you can do it in a, in a kind way, but simply to ask, um, what Bible passage do you have in mind when you say that it's not a uh, religion, it's a relationship? Um, because uh, I think if someone's going to be making assertions like that, they ought to be able to back it up from the Bible. And even if they can't find a passage that uses the word relationship, which I suspect they won't, to see what theological idea is backing a statement like that, and then go from there. Now now you can start talking about the scriptures, which is really the main point. So that's what I would do. Ask the pastor uh, to point you to the scriptures, and then, then you can uh, learn from the scriptures together. 
All right, that's going to be our first segment in the bag. When we get back, we're going to be doing a little Whoa. praise song crunching, and then after that, preaching to Hollywood. Stay tuned. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio. Well, we think we're funny. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We have Pastor Wolf and there's undivided attention. Uh, Facebook is not working for him, so we're going to be able to really crunch out some praise songs today. Oh, yeah. Your PC ran into a problem and needs to restart. We're just collecting some error info, and then we'll restart for you. Zero percent complete. Visit www.windows.com slash stop code for more help. I'd love to visit that website if my computer worked. (laughs) All right, well, we have the luxury of uh, having you fully engaged for today's show. Email says, Dear Pastor Wolfmiller and Pastor Gigline, we sing a beautiful song in our church, says members of the Lutheran Church of Canada. I believe uh, it is called um, Borning Cry. But I would like you to sing, read this with a Canadian accent. That's your department. I don't... I don't well, uh, I'd love to read it, except for I can't see it. I'll, so I'll give me a little segment, I'll and I'll, it re- I'll read mail. it. I'll translate into Canadian. Uh, well, you just can translate as I'm reading. So, uh, okay. Internet sources sometimes use the entire first line as the title. It's a lovely tune. Internet sources and the sometimes words use the entire first mo- line as the title. Eh? <laughs> that is an interesting twist. Instead of being a love song twist, to eh? God, this one is a love song from God to us. Love song to God, love song from God to us, eh? I would like to sing it with a clear conscience or not sing it at all. Eh? (laughs) The problem, it's written in the first Eh? person as if God is Eh? speaking, but they are not Eh? words from Scripture. It doesn't seem right to me, Eh? but put words to put, sorry, to put words in God's mouth he hasn't spoken. I agree that is a bit of a problem. I haven't Eh? brought it up with my pastor. He sings along, so I assume he doesn't have a problem with it. Hey? So here's the here's the song. Um, it's either called ah, a "Borning Borning Cry" or yeah. "I Was There to Hear Your Borning Cry," and the song goes like this. What is a borning cry? You'll find out. Okay. You, you obviously don't know. <laughs> Some people don't have to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, you you're an expert on borning cries. I know this song. We used to sing this back in the old ELCA days. Do you think the borning cry is the cry you make when you're being born? Borning is how they say being born in Canada. Demons dwell? This took a dark turn, this song. Word, 
that's the song "Burning Cry." Whoa! So, um, so this okay, is okay. So the, you know, there was an interesting question prefaced the sending of this song. I'm which surprised is, you this were song you can tell just by the sound of it is a dangerous song to crunch because it's sentimental. Can you hear the sentiment? It's like dripping from the song, <laughs> and there are no doubt people who have wept over this song. For those people, you just might want to skip the next 10 minutes of this show <laughs> just so, so you don't think worse of yep. us. Uh, you know, because you know how so when you love things, you just. But right. maybe it's true how they say the other praise song says when you love something, set it go, let it go. Mm. So maybe we might have to practice that with this. But um, here. So uh, the question that prefaced the sending of this thing was, is it OK to put words in God's mouth? Oh, yeah. In that's a song, fine. remember that? Just go ahead. It, well, so I, you know, we want to remember that that's basically when you read Luther or sing Luther hymns, that's what he does all the time. He, I mean, salvation unto us has come. Uh, go forth, my son, uh, etc. The son rejoiced to do the father's will. It puts it has this conversation between father and the son, and and Luther will do that all the time. Paraphrase what the scriptures are saying. Uh, what God is saying to us in the scriptures and so forth like that. It's a rhetorical device. So I think as a device, but, it's not bad. The, the, you just have to be careful what yeah. words you're making God say. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's the thing that um, the emailer noted was not just that you're putting words in God's mouth, but you're putting words in God's mouth that he himself has not said, and that's the big distinction. So, yeah, I mean, verbatim, it's not mean that we're necessarily quoting scripture constantly, but to say, um, you know, God says of you, you are my child— um, you know, that's that's drawing from the premise of what the Bible teaches us about baptism. Uh, so we have to, when we're doing that, we're on very dangerous ground, and it, it comes at our understanding of Scripture of what it is that we're actually saying that God says. So, yeah, uh, this is something that needs to be done carefully with an understanding of Scripture. Uh, so the question really is going to be then, uh, are the first person first person things said from God's perspective in this song that which can be supported by scripture what are the, I think the thing that we have to figure out first is what the heck a borning cry is uh, I'd look it up you, you can't yeah so we're, we're seeing really the limit of your knowledge when the computer doesn't work I mean normally you're googling yep. it here what is a borning cry but you're just kind of left out in the cold here yeah well, I look up "Borning Cry." Just this song comes up. I was there to hear your "Borning." I think it, I think "Borning" must mean how they say "to be born" in Canada. I don't think so. "Borning Cry." I don't think so. I got a dictionary over here. Hold on, I got this thing. It's paper and a book. It's got words in it. I'm gonna check is, it out. Is it pretty dusty? Just gonna yeah. have to blow the dust off of that thing. I, I think that that yeah, this is this is trying to say that. The cry from when you're born. So, uh, baby's born. I don't know about this. You, you, you'll have to, you'll have to enlighten us. But when a baby is born, it cries. I assume, and that would be the borning cry. Is this, yeah. Is this rocket okay. science? Let's just ass let's just assume that that's what it's talking about. So God's saying, "Hey, I was there when you were born." Okay. I think that's all it's saying. Why, why not say that, by the way? Why not say, I was there when you were born? You say, I was there to hear your borning cry. You you just aren't poetic. 
you don't have the. What's creep. the next words? I was there. I'll be there when, when you, you were see old. You were baptized. Oh, they're old. Skip yeah. Old. So okay, I'll just read it. I was there to hear your morning cry. I'll be there when you are old. I rejoice the day you were baptized to see your life unfold. I was there when you were but a child with a faith to suit you well. In a blaze of light, you wandered off to find where demons dwell. Whoa, man. I mean, that really that surprised me in the song. And it surprises me again how just quickly it takes that dark turn. Uh, So I think what what it's trying to say is from God's perspective that uh, I'm here all the time and I'm here even when I see you. Uh, going places that Christians ought not go. Yeah, wandering off so. from you, what you're supposed you think to be it's doing. Uh, you think it's a, um, I don't know, it's like a, uh, a Psalm thir- one thirty nine kind of thing. Like though you go to hell, I'm there with you. I'm with. Uh, it's just, uh, just it's this. I'm always there watching. That's what this is saying. I will be with yes. you always, yes. even when you're chasing, when you're born, when you're old, also when you chase after the demons. All those situations, I'm there. Okay, now let's. let's here's the next part. Uh, when you heard the wonder of the word, I was there to cheer you on. You were raised to praise the living Lord to whom you now belong. If you okay. if you find someone to share your time and you join your hearts as one. I'll be there to make your verses rhyme from dusk till rising sun. So does that mean marriage? Yeah. So, uh, but wait I, a minute. Did you notice it said dusk to rising sun? Yeah. So I'll be there all night while you and your spouse are making your verses rhyme. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. I don't want to think about that too much. I'm, I'm interested in this, these first two lines though. When, <laughs> when you heard the wonder of the word, I was there to cheer you on. Um, maybe maybe um, I'm seeing this a little bit too far, but I just get this picture like, you know, God the cheerleader. You know, you're, so you're running a race, and the the uh, you're on the last lap, and the 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 crowd is cheering, "Go, you can do it, finish!" And uh, that that's the the picture that of God cheering the person on as they're hearing the wonder of the word, uh, which is a very odd picture. I mean. Rather, I mean, Isaiah says that my word does not return to me void, so that God is the one speaking. You know, he's the one actually delivering the word, that we're the ones receiving from the Lord his very word. That's a little bit better than cheering you on. Right. Yeah, and and his word, his power is at work in the word to give us faith, etc. Hmm. All right, so mm, let's let's mm, start mm. crunching this. We just have a, a minute or so before our break. Uh, Man, what is th- is Jesus mentioned in this song? I don't think so. No, I, um, I don't see Jesus mentioned at all. So yeah, I don't either. That's a problem. Um, what about mystical form? Uh, it has a mystical sound to it, don't you think? Yes. I mean. This like uh, super sentimental, but I don't know. Does it repeat uh, itself? Uh, um, once. It doesn't have a lot of repetition. 
Huh. Interesting. All right. Well, let's let's look at this a little bit more closely during the break. When we come back, we'll finish this crunch and then move on to another one. And then we'll have some preaching to Hollywood for you here on All Table right. Talk Radio. All right. Let me get your computer working. I know. For immature audiences only, this is Table Talk Radio. Me and Daniel are working the YouTubes. You can visit the channel at Wolfmuller1, number one, and see what we're up to. Some lightboard videos. We're going to bring back grappling here in a few weeks. Some what Daniel says are vlogs. I'm not even sure. Anyway, check it out. All right, we're back. Listening to Table Talk Radio, crunching everyone's favorite praise songs. And we're on mystical form. Now, this is interesting, Pastor Wolfmiller, because you started out uh, when this music played, said it was, what do you say, dripping with... Uh, Sentimentality. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, Bette Midler is like, oh, I wish I would have done that too. <laughs> no, I... I was listening to something uh, the other day. Uh, it was on the radio, and it was this Third Day song. I used to listen to Third Day a lot when I was in high school. I loved Third Day, but there was this part where it was um, it was a live a live setting, and uh, the singer, uh, what's his name, Mac Powell from Third Day, says, "I know you guys thought you were coming to a Third Day show, but uh, uh, hopefully you knew you're coming to a lot more than that because uh, we're going to have some you know praise and worship here." And I was just kind of thinking about that, that what really is fundamentally the difference between a like a rock show and a praise song, and was it clear when one transitioned to the other? And is Third Day in some way required to reimburse ticket sales if it goes to praise and worship? Or is it understood that we're paying money to go to praise the Lord with Mac Powell? Um but but see the difference there what is what an interesting conundrum you put them in. <laughs> the interesting That's a, like thing a moral is, ethical question. <laughs> hey, you guys paid a bunch of money to come and hear the concert, which but, would, which would be fine. But if I said, hey, uh, pay money and you can come for worship, wow, that doesn't seem right. Um, but 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 see, here's the here's the point, and this is the point that you're making with the song. Nothing fundamentally changed um, from going from rock show to worship time uh, other than the pace of the song. So the words necessarily didn't change. They were presumably Christianish words before. Um, the people the people <laughs> were the same. Um, the, the the band were they wearing the same clothes? I Did assume they go so. and put on chasubles? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So so really, when that is appropriate to say is when the songs are starting to slow down. Now, why then does that define praise and worship? Well, because worship has been defined as a as a moving emotional experience. Um, now, think about how uh, the the reformers had to talk about uh, worship going on. That if um, if the if the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, and enlightens with His gifts, the question is: Are those gifts present? Is Christ crucified being preached? Is there a baptism going on? 
Is the Lord's Supper being uh, received? You know, these are the things they want to look for because that's where the Holy Spirit has promised to work. But what um, many have then defined worship to be is something that's emotionally moving, which is completely subjective. And there's nothing really fundamentally different between that and a just a, a, a rock show that starts getting kind of slow. I agree. So if uh, we start talking slower, then that changes Table Talk Radio from the world's second greatest theological game show to basically like a sermon. <laughs> That's right. I wonder if people want to get their money back. Let's slow it down. Next up, Take we're going to be. <laughs> All right. So I think with mystical form, part of that question is how the music is presenting itself to be, I uh, forget, uh, overly dripping with sentimentality sentimentality right um, i was i mean especially when you talk about the, how the baby's being born and then i'll be there holding your hand while you take your last breath on your deathbed like your beloved family members i mean it's like let's just let's i'll be there when you get married it's, it's let's, let's just take the like the most three emotion laden events in a life and then say Jesus is going to be there. I wonder if a borning cry is the what you how you cry when you're born. What's your dying gasp? I, how yeah. come it didn't say your that? death gasp? I was there to hear your dying gasp. Mm. That's maybe not as sentimental. Yeah, the the death rattle probably not quite what That's you're going for and. All right. Well, um, that's mystical form. What about mystical content? Yeah. I, so, did we ask the question if Jesus is mentioned we, yet? We did ask the did question. Did we decide that Jesus is, is? Did we decide if this is Jesus or not? I can't remember. Um, we decided that Jesus is not mentioned. Okay. This is what I. The, the, we're talking now. The, here, God is talking to us. There's no. The only theology is that little part that you mentioned. Where I'm going to cheer you on when you hear the excitement of the word. Is that what it is? Uh, I can click over to that. This is really inconvenient, that, you not having a computer, by the way. Well, um, I had to reset my PC. It's 28% reset. When you heard the... I had to take all the amps off of it. Ugh. When you heard the wonder of the I, word, I was there to cheer you on. Yeah, see, this is not good. This cheering... Uh, I don't think this is necessarily mystic. I mean... I. I'm not sure there's enough theology in this song that it could even be called mystical. <laughs> this is like a new low. It's like um it's like the Arky Arky song, you know? <laughs> Noah built the Arky Arky. Yeah. It's not mystical. It's so it's not even theological enough to be mysticism. That's how uh, I think this song is approaching that dearth of saying anything. Hmm. Um I think. I don't know. Hopefully the people who love this song have not tuned back in yet. Yeah, all right. Uh, okay, and then we need to probably move along here. I mean, part part of the, the mystical content is the um, romantic imagery. I guess it's not really... Well, it does use the romantic imagery, doesn't it? When the... Uh, well, let's it talks see. about husband and wife making their rhymes, their poems rhyme or whatever. yeah. Yeah, I don't you, know if you're going to write you, that. In a, when you, you, you could text that to Mandy. 
You you make my poems rhyme from dusk till dawn. I think I'll uh, I think I'll hold off. I'll, I'll I'll save that project for a future praise song. I think there's better material. I don't want to I don't want to waste it on this one. I, I wasted the 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 the, the text. My the one texting. shot at texting you praise song lyrics. I was talking about our poems rhyming. I was I texted you about a borning cry. <laughs> what? Uh, what the heck's a borning cry? You know when you're borning. You know. And you cry. <laughs> uh, right. Now this is uh, so. Look at th- the fact that this song is sung and beloved by anyone. It's, it just is again. It points to the pure sentimentality of all this sort of stuff. To, to, to and and I think that there's something happening in Christianity where it's this, it's this kind of sinking into the mush of sentiment, mm. and I see it in the praise songs, and I see it in the emails that people forward me. I mean, it's just this kind of, huh. uh, you know what I'm talking. It's I like, know exactly it's what you're this talking about. Kitsch. Yeah, uh, and, and I think though that uh, when people have associated um, Christianity as that, um, I think that makes it very unappealing for a lot of people. And if they've if they've already dismissed Christianity for that reason, they're really missing a a man who is God who is willing to. Uh, offer himself bloody and gory on a cross so that we can have salvation. I mean, um, the the sentimentality version of Christianity doesn't really comfort me. It might give me warm fuzzies that last about 10 minutes. But uh, a a God who dies for me lasts for eternity, and that's what I really need. I mean, that's what God is delivering to me. I mean, it's bloody and gory and gross and disgusting, but it is what I need for eternal life. I was there when you got your first warm fuzzies. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to I'm going to expedite the rest of this crunch. No law or gospel, I don't think. And I think nope. we've uh we've addressed all false doctrine, so let's deem this song crunched because I have another one I want to read to you. Um, okay. This one uh is somewhere in here that on the praise song cruncher. Da, 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 da. Oh, says, I am currently backstage working as a stagehand for a theater where Mercy Me is playing. The first opener is on right now, a guy named Ryan Stevenson. He says, let me know what you think about his song called The Gospel. This is what it sounds like. Wow, we got Table Talk Radio listeners deeply embedded in the deep state. That's right. The evangelical industrial complex. We're turning over every stone Hoping to find salvation In a world that's left us cold Can we get back to the altar Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And He's calling out to us So we're going to have to take a break right there, and we come back from this break. We're going to be taking a look at this song called The Gospel.
by Ryan Stevenson and uh, trying to get a, a bit of a crunch on that. If you have praise songs you want us to crunch, send them over to questions at tabletalkradio.org. Questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can also call us. The toll-free number is 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-SOLA. And do check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. We have all of our past shows right there. If you haven't yet subscribed to our podcast stream, you can do so at that web address, tabletalkradio.org. Pray song crunch after this, and then some preaching to Hollywood. And we're going to get a status update on Pastor Wolfmiller's computer. I think it might be uh, killed in action. We'll see. We'll be right back. Ahead. Your friends probably won't notice. This is Table Talk Radio. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. Table Talk Radio, successfully breaking computers everywhere. How's it going over there, Pastor Wolf? Boom! Oh, man. 100% what? I finished, what, wiping the hard drive, and it was reinstalling Windows, and I got the blue screen of death. That is not a good sign. <laughs> sure, it's fine. That's like that's like being, you know... Did you try Control-Alt-Delete? Like kicked when you're down. <laughs> control, I wouldn't let me get to control Maybe it froze escape. Before I try got, escape. Did that work? <laughs> I got to find a funny star-shaped screwdriver so I can pull the battery out of the thing. Oh, man. Maybe uh, maybe the Lord is telling me I don't need a computer. Yeah. How I'm going to finish writing this essay for doxology on my cell phone is going to be tricky. I'll just mm. text it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I don't need a computer to do table talk. All I need is this microphone and my wits. All right. Well, you H-I-T-T-S. Wits. You have half of those things. All right. Let's uh, take a look. Look, you got disconnected. <laughs> now we just disconnected. That must that must mean you have your wits and not the microphone. <laughs> I know I'm. Not, I know I'm not using too much bandwidth with my computer this time. Yeah, That's right. Not what's going? It's not not your fault. All right. Um, let's take a look at this song, the Gospel. So this is what we heard before the break. A restless generation. We're turning over every stone, hoping to find salvation in a world that's left us cold. Can we get back to the altar? Back to the arms of our first love, there's only one way to the Father, and he's calling us. He's calling out to us. To the captive, it looks like freedom. To the orphan, it looks like home. To the skeptic, it might sound crazy to believe in a God who loves. In a world where our hearts are breaking and we're lost in the mess we've made, like a blinding light in the dead of night, it's the gospel. The gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel that makes a way. Now, this song wow. reminds me that when Lutherans talk so much about law and gospel, and particularly the gospel, that we assume others know what we're talking about when we use the word gospel. And it's a good reminder that uh, not everyone understands the word gospel the same. Yeah, what I I like that my favorite part of this song is that little line in there says with a captive it sounds like freedom to the orphan it sounds like home. No, feels like home. That's kind of cool. Feel, oh, sorry. Feels like home. That's kind of I like that though, by the way. Okay. I mean, I just I'm attracted to that language. It's uh, captivating. But but I'm not sure it's 
it doesn't go quite far enough. Well, um, well, let's start here. I mean, this is always a good place to start. What What's the problem being proposed in the song? Yeah, this is why I think this song is a perfect picture of the. Uh, it's like a snapshot of the evangelical mind, the the theological place of evangelicals right now. And the problem is this brokenness, alienated. Uh, restlessness, etc. Now, I, I'm not actually sure that that's true, that we are a restless generation turning over every stone looking mm. for salvation. In mm. fact, I think we're sort of a listless generation that just doesn't care. And the most, the, our biggest pr- problem, I mean, you, you, you go to talk to people about whatever, truth, salvation, damnation, resurrection, whatever, and it just does it's like... Systematic theology. It's, just, it's like people are... are um, <laughs> Just hardened consciences that it just don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. They're, they're not looking for salvation. They're not looking for anything. That the we're so epicurean mm-hmm. that we are. We're we're almost unmoved. We're like um. We're like addicts that that have to that need more and more just to be able to feel something. You know. Yeah, I, and sometimes, sure. and sometimes we think that if someone just heard the gospel articulated just the right way, then they're just going to love what they hear. I mean, we get the impression that uh, because the gospel is wrongly put forward so often that it's mixed with law, you know, so that the gospel is reduced to, you know, if you do for God, then God will do for you, something like that. And people haven't heard what the true gospel is, a promise that is um, void of any expectations or demands, but a gospel that is completely and purely God's action of forgiveness for the basis of Christ alone. And we think that people just haven't heard that version or that purity of the gospel, that if they did hear it, they would be won over. And we have to be reminded that if someone doesn't need the gospel, it doesn't matter how sweet or how well articulated it is, it still passes over them because they don't need it. They they, they need to hear Mm -hmm. The, the what they deserve because of their sins. If I don't know that I deserve death, why would Jesus dead on a cross be anything valuable to me? Right. That's right. And so uh, so this idea that everybody's busy I mean, in some ways we can't help ourselves. We are what sure. are we? Homo justificans. We're we're justified we're busy justifying ourselves, but and that's true, but I, I think that people are busy now justifying their indifference. They just don't really care that much. But, mm-hmm. but, but the so so the problem that's put forward here is that people are looking, but they're not finding the right answer. They're trying to find it under stones. They're trying to, um, well, well then here's the answer. The solution is. Get back to the altar, to the arms of your first love. So this is apparently not That's talking about. This is apparently not talking about those in the world who have never known the gospel, but it's talking about those who have wandered away from it. Because I mean, to go back to the arms of your first love. Um, so 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 there was this weird. I, I there was an emotion. That's just sloppy language. I don't I don't think that's actually what the song. If they could have thought of better words there, they would have put them there. Mm. Like we need something Christian sounding, so we put in first love from Revelation. But that mm. because that, that's the kind of revival you're trying to reconvert people. But um, yeah, I I don't know. That doesn't fit at all. Huh. 
I don't know. It would be better to say something like, uh, do you need to discover your true love or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. In other words, I agree with you. It doesn't quite fit into what, this, what the song is saying. Is it talking about how the unbeliever is looking for some sort of salvation and they're looking for all these idols, turning over all the stones, but now they need to find Jesus. But here it says you don't need to find Jesus. You need to return to Jesus. Maybe it's talking about how our culture... You know how that you know mm. how all the evangelicals are busy talking about how we live in a post-Christian world or whatever they say, right? Um, Post-Constantinian, post-Christian era, who knows? Whatever they love to label things like that, and and uh, so maybe it's talking about how we, as a culture, we need to go back to our first love, Jesus. Well, I think I'm that not sure. I, I think for most evangelicals, what they know of the gospel. Uh, again, to kind of critique back to our our first praise song, uh, is usually some kind of a experience that is high on emotion, and the height of that then is when they you know gave their life to Christ at the altar call. So I think what is identified as sort of the 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 point, the goal, the the main thing in life of you know giving your life over to to God or giving your heart to Jesus or whatever is. Um, exemplified in that altar call, so so that's right. that's what we're driving at. That that's the goal. That's the yeah. main thing. That's right. You got to get back to that. You got to get back to that shining, glorious moment of of rapture where you were swept away by the Holy Spirit and you're mm-hmm. not so cold and indifferent. Right. It's perfect. I mean, if we were if we were Epicureans and we are trying to make an Epicurean Christianity, this is exactly what we would would make it. It's all about. It's all about the internal experience. I mean, this is just, it's like uh, you couldn't write the script any better. So mm-hmm. you got to get back to that, to that moment of euphoria where you were swept away. And that's, and, and, and all, it's like every Christian, you remember Uncle Rico in the movie uh, Napoleon Dynamite? Oh, barely. I haven't seen that movie in such a long time. And he was, and he's always taking videos of himself throwing footballs, and he's always remembering the old glory days when right, he should have been right. the quarterback. And this is how evangelicals are trying to go back to that moment in high school when they gave their life to Christ. It's like this, this longing for the thing that was. Well, the thing that was was not really that great to begin with. All right, Pastor Wolfman, then, then give it to us as we ought to be looking at things. I mean, if if that's the critique, how should we view uh, Christianity? Well, it's. It's what it, there's an objective, there's an objectiveness to the thing that things that God does. I mean, starting with creation, continuing and and culminating in the death and resurrection of Jesus, and then that that plays out even now. So that when God speaks, when God baptizes, when God gives His body and blood, these things are these things are true things that are happening, and and it's not um, it's it's a matter of my of my insides, of my feeling and my heart to serve those truths rather than vice versa. And and try to subject the truth to my own heart. That's that's the dangerous uh, play that evangelicalism makes, and that it sets us up for, okay. is to think that the truth is found in my own internal experience. All right. So in the a sixty second super crunch, is Jesus mentioned? Yes or no? I can't remember. <laughs> oh yeah, you forgot. Uh, I'll get you. No, God is mentioned, but Jesus is not mentioned in this song called the Gospel. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, Interesting. Mystical form. I think so. Yeah. Mystical content. I think it uses mostly sentences, but <laughs> mystical content. Uh, yes. Law and yes. gospel. 
Mm, a little bit, but the law is I'm, I'm broken, right? And the gospel is, interestingly enough, the title of the song, but the, the forgiveness of sins or the death of Jesus or redemption or atonement or anything like that is never mentioned. Oh, oh, sorry. I take that back. Uh, in my own life, it means forgiveness when I know I deserve the fall and called me out of the darkness and carried me to the cross. So there is reference to that. So we have to recognize that. All right. That's all the time we have. Thanks go. for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where we look forward to the resurrection. Oh, that's my buzzword for you. Systematic theology. Thanks for listening to this oh, edition yeah, where of we Table do Talk not... Radio. Table Talk How Radio do we do? is we not do for everyone. Please consult theology. your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Systematic theology. Maybe next week we'll have Pastor Wolfman with a computer back. Complete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, It's like I'm limping along. Sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, and uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter and falling off your treadmill. Without the Google. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.